exploring the paths to leadership in business aviation, and tips on fostering a culture of leadership at your organization, particularly through challenging times. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. Leadership has always been an important subject for those working in our industry. But how do people become leaders and what skills must they possess or develop to handle that role? Those are formidable questions, and today's episode offers perspectives from five individuals who not only have grown to become notable leaders in business aviation, they'll also tell you that leadership wasn't really on their minds when they first started out. I learned to fly as a hobby. I was living in Colorado at the time, pursuing a graphic design career for a award-winning designer um, there in the Denver area. After finishing my instrument rating, I started considering what it would take to leave my graphic design job to pursue a career as a professional pilot. So I really looked at it as a piloting career and not necessarily a leadership role at all. Candace Covington is Senior Director of Aviation for a Fortune 200 company based in California. I really attribute it to a lot of luck and good timing. I moved to San Diego to get the rest of my pilot certificates. I became a flight instructor. Um, About two years into my role as a flight instructor, a tower controller actually recommended me for a line pilot position. The base manager at this flight operation hired me on that recommendation. Uh, about a less than a year later, that base manager left and on his way out, despite my junior status in the group, um, he put me in charge. And then uh, for me, the pinnacle of my career started last year when I realized a once in a lifetime opportunity to start a brand new flight department for another Fortune 200 company in the Bay Area. And it was great to look at this question because I really attribute it to great timing, clearer goals, and a whole lot of luck. Also with us is Jad Donaldson, Director of Aviation for the Harley-Davidson Motor Company. He says he took a more organic route. When I was three years old, I took an airplane ride uh, with a friend of the family who owned a small uh, Piper Cherokee. And I thought that was the whole thing right there. At three years old, I realized then I will be a pilot. I spent most of my early years growing up being told that having a pilot career is probably something you want to do as a secondary career, not as a primary career. So you need to really have something much stronger to rely on. The Boy Scouts Aviation Explorer Program presented Jad with a chance to fly gliders. But it was his introduction in college to a family-owned Part 135 charter operation that made him realize aviation was calling him not as a hobby, but as a profession. I started pouring all my spare time and resources into uh, learning to fly. So from there, one thing led to another. And over many, many years and a few decades, it it turned into opportunities that led, led me back towards the Michigan area where I flew for the University of Michigan Medical Center. Blue Charter, uh, had experience with Bedevac, then got into a, a corporate job with a, with a company out of Ann Arbor. And I, I ended up as a line pilot who then turned into the chief pilot position, who then turned into running the, the flight operation for that company. And ultimately, I ended up taking an opportunity five years ago with Harley Davidson. 
That said, one does not need to be a pilot to love aviation, or to be an effective leader in the industry. Kelly Rittenhouse, CAM and Director of Aviation for Hangar Aviation Management, explains. I was in college as an English education major, and I interviewed for a position at a small FBO in central Illinois, and I didn't get hired. And then the person they hired didn't work out, so they called me back, and I started my work as a receptionist at the front desk of a flight school a maintenance repair organization. They had a charter department, and that's how I began. And I fell in love with the people that I met that would come in and I would watch people earn their private pilot's license and then their instrument commercial. I would watch people progress as they bought their own airplane. I learned about the, we flew uh, transplant teams for organ harvest. And I just started taking on more roles at that company. And then I learned about this network of people who were trying to develop others through NBAA uh, schedulers and dispatchers. And by then I was working as a scheduler and I started participating in the industry. And I found that to be fascinating and a way to meet the people that I was interacting with and help to develop my own skills. And so then I um, participated in uh, the committee work and I would eventually lead a committee and continue to evolve and always with goals of improving myself and having someone who had similar background as I do to show them that they also have potential to lead in whatever capacity that looks like for them. Didn't think that Leadership was necessarily a title, more of an act. Our fourth guest, Guido Visconti, is Director of Aviation and Chief Pilot for a large Fortune 50 company in the Midwest. Guido, I understand that like JAD, it was an early airplane ride that also set you on the road to your career. If you don't mind me aside, listening to all the stories is absolutely incredible. When you, you know, talk to doctors or some other professions, the linear track to which they proceed through their careers seems just that, very linear and They knew what they wanted to do and they follow a very set path, but really aviation is just such a continuum. You never know what you're going to find. The experience of the people is just so diverse. I wanted to be a pilot, but I was first generation Italian. My parents came here in the fifties and I really had no idea how to, you know, get from point A to point B in in this career. I, I like, uh, like Chad flew on a, a 747 to Italy when I was about five years old. And man, I was, you know, hook, line, and sinker. This has got to be the best thing to do in the world. And, you know, that kind of set set my vision on what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do it. So I kind of lost touch with that, that aspiration. I actually was going to become a chemical engineer. And, you know, due to fate, that fell apart. And my, my aspirations for chemical engineering didn't work out and wound up at a very little school the day before registration, going through the uh, you know registration pamphlet for classes and right after accounting was aviation I thought aviation I can do this in school I don't have to go into the military or you know there's another way to do this and that was the end of my science career and the beginning of my business administration path with a minor in aviation sciences and went to school during the day and during the morning or in the evening I would do flight school and during the day I would do school my undergrad work became a flight instructor and that was really off to the races. 
As Guido pointed out, the path to a career in business aviation is seldom a straight line. And that's just one aspect to understanding how a person might become an effective leader in our industry. Chris Broyhill also took an interesting road to his current role as an industry consultant and author, graduating from the U.S. Air Force Academy and flying A-10 Thunderbolts in Europe and F-16s in Korea. As his peers looked toward flying commercial airliners upon leaving the service, however, Chris opted instead to fly right seat in a Sabreliner 65 business jet for a small company, a choice that ultimately led him to chief pilot and director positions at two Fortune 100 companies and his current position at a national charter management firm. In 2016, NBAA asked Chris to conduct research into the impact of leadership on personnel retention. Those studies culminated in the book Business Aviation Leadership, From the Traits to the Trenches, which examines the qualities that are most important to becoming a leader in our industry. Chris, you've heard our guests describe their own diverse paths to leadership roles in business aviation. As you literally wrote the book on this subject, how would you define the term leadership as it applies to our industry? One of the things when I start the book off um, in the introduction, I talk a little bit about trying to define leadership and the fact that there are literally hundreds of millions of hits on Google if you try to say, what is the definition of leadership? And there are various and sundry ways people will attempt to capture it. So, so. I actually didn't really try to do that. Probably the simplest explanation I heard came from a gentleman by the name of Craig Olson, who's the director of aviation or the VP of aviation, excuse me, for a well-known flight department in the upper Northwest. And he said, leadership is simply inspiring people to achieve a common cause or a common task. And I thought, you know, that'll, that'll pretty much work. But one of the things I talk about in the, in the book is that you see leadership all the time and your gut will tell you, hey, I'm looking at leadership right now. So Why is it so darn difficult to define? So what I tried to do instead, Rob, was I tried to capture the attributes of leadership. My my experience has been leadership is is something people do. So I went through 15 different attributes in the book, uh, integrity, lead by example, communication, empowerment, and credibility were the top five, but there are 10 others. And just tried to show people this is what leadership looks like in action, as opposed to trying to define it. Jad, let's bring this back to your experiences. Do you think you had the traits Chris just mentioned when you first started out? Well, I think I think all of us have some of the pieces of those attributes. Uh, for me, you know, I, I was always one to to try to lead by example, and in some cases, probably to a fault, uh, because when you when you lead by example too literally, you could end up sacrificing other parts of your life in order to do that. So for me, that was kind of the, the one thing that I, that I brought along, but I still to this day uh, lead by example and try to uh, empower my people every way I can. But I don't think to all the people on this call, and we're all very different in, in how we got there, most of us stand on the shoulders of the people that came before us and or have had those experiences where we experienced a leader, for instance, that wasn't really great. We saw maybe a failure of leadership and we experienced it directly. Candace, would you agree? Absolutely. I would certainly amplify the fact that I think business aviation has been very generous to all of us on this call. It certainly has for me in time and resources. Again, those people that really showed us the right way to show up in our job. And then all those experiences of what not to do, I think really puts us in a great position to lead these organizations. I will say that that empowerment piece 
is something that I picked up along the way. I think the passion and the resilience, you know, the solid business sense, knowing what the right thing to do is, maybe those are things that I already had, but that empowerment and that development of for an outward mindset to really mentor and create a landscape that your team can uh, achieve their full potential, I think is really necessary and makes for an effective team in today's uh, business aviation industry. Guido, another important aspect to learning the skills needed to be an effective leader is also learning what not to do. I think so many people had these you know, incredible mentors. I also had some incredible mentoring opportunities from the time I was very young. But when I got into aviation, not only did I have incredible mentors, but I had some really incredibly bad mentors, not mentors, I should say examples of what aviation shouldn't be. I think probably all of the same generation or nearly so on the, on the call where access to the airplane was really a lever, right? So I try to make sure that I don't ever use access to information or betterment as a lever. In other words, I'm going to give everyone the opportunity who is fairly trying access to opportunity and betterment. It's never going to be something I lord over anyone to their negative. As long as they're honestly trying and willing, then they're going to have access to myself, resources, whatever that is, and it won't ever be used in a negative sense, if you will. Kelly, what helped you identify the traits you needed to be an effective leader and to avoid the mistakes made by others? I was very fortunate to meet people who were willing to work with me and help me improve and answer my questions. And I ask lots of questions. I've had a number of opportunities to remind people that it takes a number of different skill sets and stakeholders to fill an aviation department and have you function well. And there are times when I've been challenged because I'm not a pilot. And so um, leading pilots has been questioned before. And I just reassure people that I see a bigger picture and I'm able to bring out the best in all of these individuals so that we can be successful and to not um, wear that on my, like a chip on my shoulder or anything like that. It's more of a, well, let me um, show you how, how this can work and how this looks. I think also for me, um, I would echo the idea of communicating out information. There was a time when people did want to withhold, and that doesn't serve anyone well. It's better to share early and often and um, be willing to keep people informed so that they will then also do the same for me as bringing me information as they are aware of it. So those are some things that I continue to um, ask myself, am I communicating well? Am I walking that out? Am I acting in integrity? Are my messages clear? And that I think makes me a stronger leader. All of you have brought up excellent points to think about, particularly as we're recording this episode as our industry faces significant operational challenges stemming from the COVID-19 virus. Chris, it seems to me it would be more difficult to lead in times of crisis. But is that how you see it? 
I, I am not so sure it is easier to lead when things are good versus when uh, we have an adverse environment. Just an anecdote from my past, I served in a lot of cool places when I was in the Air Force, but one of the ones, the, but the place that was probably the most bleak was Kunsan Air Base, which is on the Yellow Sea, uh, the west coast of South Korea. It's a remote tour, so you don't get to take your family with you. Um, usually they limit it to a year. Uh, I was a masochist, so I stayed for 18 months. But the North Koreans were 35 minutes away by hovercraft or you know, 15 or 20 minutes away by aircraft if they were going to attack the base. And in spite of the austere environment, in spite of the bleakness, the sense of camaraderie was just so great. And the focus on the mission was just unlike any other place I had I'd seen in the Air Force. So to, to roll that into the discussion, I think sometimes adversity can focus people. I think sometimes it can bring out ties and, and bonds in the group that, that maybe uh, weren't there before. Because when if it, if it focuses people, it's easier to, to lead them when, when they can all see the same common cause, the same vision you're trying to communicate as a leader. If there's not a clear vision, then there's typically not a clear mission. And without those two, I don't think you can get people all lined up and going in the same direction. Candace, do you feel that adversity can bring out a person's leadership qualities and help bind a team together? You know, I do. And I, I agree with Chris that I think it takes um, vision. If you are a business unit of a larger enterprise organization, you've got to be aligned with you know, that business strategy. So you need to be nimble. But I think to Kelly's point about the team holistically and you know, hiring the right people, especially in times of ambiguity and adversity, the success of the organization, the flight department, is dependent across all of the functional groups of that organization. It's not just about the pilots winning for aviation, but everybody in that on the team. And so it's up to that leader to keep everybody engaged, involved, and feeling like they've got a voice and influence and they're part of the winning solution. Guido? Yeah, this is really obviously unprecedented and really challenging time. I, I think the, the biggest challenge is keeping our team connected and communicating not only where we are, again, as Candace pointed out, how we intertwine and align with the uh, corporate strategy because we're not an aviation company, right? We're part of a fortune level organization that has a strategy and we play into that strategy tactically and strategically. So always reinforcing, finding that vision, communicating it back to the team. Even during these times where when we're ostensibly grounded, part of my process is finding them meaningful work that still helps them connect back to strategy. So this is a time of opportunity for us and communicating that, you know, we've got lemons, it's time to make a whole bunch of lemonade. So while this is certainly unusual, uh, we're going to take advantage of it and use it to our benefit. And we communicate that back to the organization as well. Kelly, how are you facing this challenge at your company? I've been spending a lot of time talking with the CEO And he always reminds me that when we see people panicking and you're in a situation where there's panic, the best thing to do is slow down, take a deep breath, and look around you before taking any action. And so 
I've uh, shared that back with my team as well. I think it's good advice. I think that we are in this unprecedented time of also opportunity. I mean, none of us know how long this is going to last and what, what that means. So we are following the rules as laid out by our governor. Um, we are we are doing our best to keep um, each other engaged and checking on our team. We're looking at some housekeeping things that maybe we've had some projects that haven't had the full attention that we would like. And I'm trying to look at this as a time where I've said before, if I could just pause, if I could just hit the pause button for a minute and, well, what would that and look like for me and my team so that we do write a good story at this very difficult time? Jad, same question. How are you and your department responding to the COVID-19 crisis? You know, I would say it's very fluid and we're doing the, the best we can with, with what we have to work with. I, I would like to echo a, a lot of the things that Candace and Guido and Kelly have mentioned, though. They, they have hit the nail on the head. It's not that any of us could plan for what we are facing today. No, I mean, none of us, none of us saw this coming. You build building blocks as a leader. When you build a team, you put those building blocks together and you do it for times like this, times, times like right now. And I think it's when you find the strength of your team. The part that I love the most of leadership is when you can watch your team independently fulfill the mission of, of what you're all about and running the business of aviation and that you see each individual bringing to light great ideas and that they are able to execute on those ideas independently. I didn't have to go out and start prompting people to look at things. We're going to be able to be here for the long haul. I have always led by a, a logic of, are we going to play the long game or the short game? This has to do with expense and it has to do with how we run the business. We're, we've always played the long game uh, in our department and we're still playing the long game and we see a, a bright future ahead for everything that we're doing. Chris, to wrap up our conversation, I think all of you have shared tremendous insights on how individual leadership qualities are being brought to the fore during this situation. What advice would you share for a leader in our industry who, understandably, is perhaps feeling overwhelmed by that responsibility right now? I just think, uh, you know, and all, all four of these uh, folks here have talked about it. I think you need to keep the big picture in view, and I think you need to communicate the big picture to your people in, in a way that's understandable and use your own suite of skills to keep them focused on it and motivate them toward it. And every person here has been talking essentially about the same thing in, in so doing that. And, and I think that's, that's, that's the way to press forward, particularly in adverse times like these. Chris's book, Business Aviation Leadership from the Traits to the Trenches, may be ordered at chrisbroyhillbooks.com. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.